Ron Rothstein's a host, WIP in Philadelphia, and Odyssey Station, Trista. There you go. Also with BetQL as well. So you're just your reaction, Ryan. We got Joel Embiid's officially the MVP. We don't have to sit there and say he's the bridesmaid and never the groom anymore, all that thing, whatever the saying is. He's got his MVP. The video of him winning, too, seeing the whole team there, that's got to be great, especially because, well, he's not going to be playing in game two for them either. Right. First of all, Nick, Trista, uh, thank you for having me. Excited to chat with you here tonight. But, yeah, it's it's nice. This is this is special. It's well deserving here in Philly. Uh, certainly, Sixers fans locally say it's it's long overdue. But more importantly, the win last night is the the almost the bigger story here because going into this series, the entire city, Sixers fans everywhere, this is doom and gloom. It's all negative. Here we go again, talking about an Embiid injury going into the second round. The, the MVP almost would have meant absolutely nothing. So uh, it's nice to get the win and then follow it up with the Embiid announcement. So positivity for the moment. Do you think that – well, let me just frame it this way. So James Harden gets 45, which ties the most he's ever had in, in a playoff performance. However, didn't get to the free throw line nearly as much as he did in Houston when he got that 45 points and, and did it without his co-star – and did it quite efficiently. Where does this rank in terms of James Harden playoff performances to you? And and where does Doc Rivers' performance rank for you compared to say, you know, how bad Joe Missoula looked? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what the story really is. Well, I do know. It's Joe Missoula. Uh, but for us, once again, at Philadelphia fans, Doc's face was number one on the hate list here. I mean, there is no one in Philadelphia, in the Delaware Valley, that has respected or has appreciated Doc Rivers, and, and rightfully so. But this year and then what he's been able to do, he's starting to win some people over for the moment. But to your question about Harden, has to be his one of his bigger performances um, that I can recall in the playoffs. If anything, the narrative has been the complete opposite with him. You look at last season, Sixers went into a game one, second round Eastern Conference semifinals against the Miami Heat, no Joel Embiid. Harden played terrible. Uh, he was like four for 15, 16 points, a bunch of turnovers, just the, the bad James Harden that we all know what that looks like. So this was a huge, huge statement for Harden. We'll see if he's able to not do it every night, 45, but at least be reliable and relatively consistent. But it was a huge performance. has to be up at the top. With Joel Embiid doubtful for game two, which, you know, this means it usually means somebody like that's not playing, you're certainly going to lean on James Harden again. But you can't expect him to have 45 points. Like, right, we just want him to be reliable, like you said. You want to see some consistency. Who else besides Harden really needs to be the guy that they can go to? Is it more of a Tobias Harris? Is it a Tyrese Maxey? Can it be either? Does it have to be both? Like, how do they make up for Embiid and try to take a 2-0 series lead? Yeah, it's it's a great question. I, I, I don't know the answer because, like, last night was a 10-minute stretch in the second half, Nick and Trista, where you're doing the, no, 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 yes. <laughs> it's the Harden show. It's the Harden show for 10 straight minutes. I mean, I tweeted out at one point, had nothing to do with my Tobias over on his points prop at all, but... I was like, we're paying Tobias Harris $185 freaking million. Mm -hmm. The dude hasn't touched the ball for 10 straight minutes. He hasn't touched it. He's getting cardio in. That's all he's doing. And Harden went off. He was playing hero ball, and the shots were going in. So 
it's all good for last night, but it's not going to happen two nights in a, or two games in a row. They just need to move the ball. They need a better identity offensively. You need to be um, – the pace was good, but I, I think you need to get the ball out of your hands if you're James Harden, move without the ball if you're the Sixers, and let two or three guys touch it before you take a shot. It's corny and relatively basketball 101 answer, but I think I think that's the reality. So P.J. Tucker – uh, played 37 minutes and had no points, no field goal attempts. It's the most anyone's ever played in a playoff game without attempting a field goal, <laughs> and yet was a plus for the game, like a pretty significant plus. If you had to put in the words plus. what P.J. Tucker does for this team, like whether that's culturally, whether that's just I saw him getting the uh, B-ball Paul's face on the bench, like what is he bringing to this team in, in your opinion? Everything but points. Uh, it's, you know, he's, it, it was frustrating in the regular season because he did that often. And the value couldn't be seen in the regular season because, you know, those games don't matter. And the, the style is significantly different. But he brings everything to this team. He brings toughness. He brings leadership. I look at P.J. Tucker as the leader. I, I talked about it for years about how this Sixers team lacked leadership. Embiid's not a leader. Embiid's not a grab your shirt, what are you doing, let's go, guy. Like, he's not rah-rah, he's not going to say anything or lead. Neither really is Tobias or, the, or Harden. So Tucker's providing leadership and toughness that this Sixers team uh, has been lacking for a long time. So now if you look at what we saw from game one from the Sixers, and we saw what we got from the Celtics – People are losing confidence in the head coach Boston has. Do you feel more confident that the Sixers team, especially once they get Embiid back, is not just you know a team that can win a series but can actually get to the finals? I have no clue. It's <laughs> the conversations here are: Can Embiid really be a guy that leads a team to a championship? Can Embiid be one A? We've never seen Joel Embiid have a playoff moment. I've never seen it. I love Embiid. I'm rah rah for Embiid. But I haven't seen anything from him for me to sit here and tell you guys, like, yeah, this team, led by Embiid, can make a deep playoff run. The verdict is still out on that. So I have no clue. Um, can they win this series? Yes. Have, have they shown me a toughness and a resiliency this season that I haven't seen in Embiid's previous five? Yes. Um, but can they build off game one, or are we going to get the Jekyll and Hyde situation in game two? I mean – I look at this game two tomorrow night from the Sixers standpoint, and it's a must win. Like I, you can't go into that game with the mindset of we stole one, we came to Boston and did what we were supposed to do. Cause you're coming back to Philly Friday night in Philly is going to be a zoo. I think the Sixers win that game. So if you're able to somehow steal a game tomorrow night, you have the opportunity. I know I'm really getting ahead of myself, but <laughs> the point is it, yeah, the Sixers are going to the championship, but this is like must win tomorrow night is my main point. And there are still a ton of question marks surrounding Joel Embiid. So it's it's a wait and see type of thing for, for every Sixers fan. 
Yeah, what is the vibe really overall with this team? Because we've had conversations about this team so much on this show, and I, Ryan's been way more in on them than me because I just worry about Doc Rivers and decisions he makes in the playoffs and James Harden playing consistently. The, the normal things and the cliches that surround that team, is the vibe maybe a little bit better? I, look, we know you guys are tough on your teams up there, but are, are people at least a little more confident, or is it the same, eh, they'll probably flame out like they always do in the second round? Last night gave the entire city hope again for the 76ers because all I got from fans, callers, the entire fan, not the entire, but majority, wake me up when they get past the second round. Mm -hmm. We've seen this. We've seen this movie before. We know how it ends. And then five, six days ago, after everyone's been saying that for six months, it's almost like we knew the script. It's like, oh, here we go. Embiid's injured again. We told you. We told you. So last night, you're like, you know, for the doubters, you say, okay, maybe this team is different this season. Um, so they're starting to be, become a little be anticipated, but that could change. So I think there's a slight slither of hope, but I'm going to Philly. Yeah, let's move over to the NFL, a team that I think uh, cleaned up in the NFL oh, draft. Yeah, I mean, is it just is it just between Eagles and and the Niners? Do you feel like like what was your overall elation level uh, when you saw just basically theft of uh, Jalen Carter uh, to add and then the DeAndre Swift uh, trade as well? Just just lots of good Georgia players going to Philly. Yeah, the the Philadelphia Bulldogs is is what we're calling them now. It's it's unbelievable. Howie Roseman is. People cannot be praising him enough over the past week and really the past couple of seasons based off what he's done. But, yeah, the draft is a home run. You you, you get Jalen Carter. Then you get Nolan Smith, who's a guy that was projected to go around 10. You end up getting both of them. You end up trading for DeAndre Swift. I mean, yeah, it's um, it, it was unbelievable. The hype around the Eagles, just when I thought it couldn't really get much bigger, it, it got bigger. But – I was listening to your guys' conversation about the landscape of the NFC and basically how much it stinks. Like, I, I agree with you. I, I don't know. Maybe this is my Philly bias in me, but Brock Purdy played, what, seven games? Mm -hmm. are, are, we're just all assuming now this guy is a legitimate quarterback, right? Nick Foles played six at a six-game stretch for Philly and won him the Super Bowl. Nick Foles stinks. He's a career backup. <laughs> like, there's, there's, there's 70 dudes on the planet Earth that can come in for a seven-game stretch and look really good. Like, let's relax with Brock Purdy, all right? Let's relax with Jared Goff. Like, we don't know. I mean, Jordan Love can impress us with Green Bay. Maybe they show up a little bit, Fields in Chicago. But I guess what I'm saying is I, I, I don't want to say the Niners are that good. I think the quarterback question is still legitimate. Uh, and there's a lot of other teams that have that question. So it seems like it's the Eagles' you know, conference to lose, but – I hate having that be the narrative going into the season. I just feel like something bad's going to happen, the injury bug for Philly. But uh, I think it's them, and then a bunch of we'll find out. So would you rank any other teams besides the Eagles ahead of the 49ers then? Uh, ahead of the Eagles? No, ahead of the 49ers. So like Eagles, to, we, were talking, we were talking about earlier, it was Eagles 1, 49ers 2, even though Brock Purdy still is a question mark. And then it's, I guess it's the Cowboys three, and then I guess are we putting Detroit or Seattle? Like, because the NFC is so wide open, it's just at this point you're kind of trying to figure out who comes in after one and two. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm not trying to be Mr. Negative here tonight with you, Nick and Trista, but I went to West Virginia. I watched Geno Smith play. I would not bet on him to have that season again. I wouldn't. Maybe he shuts me up. That's the case. My vertical in Seattle. Jarrett Goff, I love the story with Detroit. Big fan of Campbell. Jarrett Goff is, I think, okay to good at, on his best day. They have some talent around him, but... Um, no, I, I don't – it has to be San Francisco too, but it is a very hesitant uh, answer to that question for me to put San Francisco two. I'd probably have Dallas three um, and, and then all those question marks. It's really crazy. I can't remember the last time the NFC has looked like this. Yeah. Yeah, let's real quick. I think we have about less than a minute, right? Uh, Bryce Harper coming back from Tommy John surgery much earlier than expected. Uh, the embarrassment of riches in Philadelphia continues. What's the upside for this Phillies team for you? Uh, you you're gonna you're gonna live by the home runs, die by the home runs. I mean, this team when they're going offensively, we've we've seen it. So um, you know, Harper coming back, Schwarber now is back in the leadoff spot tonight. He has not been batting leadoff for the majority of the season. Um, so you're, you're starting to try and get some real answers now with Harper back in the lineup if you're Topper, the Phillies manager. So I think the ceiling is another World Series run. I don't think the Phillies are going to win their division, the NL East, but I do have them getting back in as a wild card team. And then in baseball, it's, all right, who's hot at the right time? So if the Phillies can be healthy and swing the bats like they did last year, you know, I like him at 12 to 1 to come out the NL. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not crazy. There's a lot of talent. A lot of talent there. Ryan it's Ross disgusting. Team, uh, just, you know what? Yeah, Philadelphia, you guys have too many good teams and there too many There are. Time. There really I'm are. I'm sick of it, damn it. I'm sick of it. Ryan Rothstein, <laughs> WIP Philadelphia. Thanks for coming on with us, man. I appreciate it. Thank you.